Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour live at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Battleborn Injury Alerts. Five seven zero nine thousand is the number. If you missed a spot earlier in the show, we did about a half an hour every week with our good buddy Justin Watkins on the sports world and legal issues. We hit on Antonio Brown. That was a real good conversation, so make sure you check it out. LVSportsNetwork.com. Adam Hill is here. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Big Five time. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. So I've been waiting for Adam Hill to be back on the show for a while. We never hit on the UFC fight last week. You and I actually talked about it off the air. Cyril gone and... Francis Ngannou, and I liked Ngannou going into the fight. I didn't know about all the injury issues. I, that would have, I definitely would have been uh, off Ngannou in that case. So he wins, and the storyline is really about him running out his contract here. Uh, Dana White did not put the belt around his waist. He yeah. did not show up at the press conference. I, I don't. What is happening? What has happened to this promotion? Well, I thought we, I thought we celebrated fighters, and we, and we make fights. And, you know, you, you you cover it a lot more than I do now. But, you know, we go back, whatever it is, like 15 years. And I remember sitting there 50 times hearing Dana White go, you know what, the boxing blueprint, we tore that up. And a lot of that was boxing doesn't make fights. What has happened, man? He's he's fighting with Francis Ngannou. He's fighting with John Jones. He seems to be fighting at times with the Diaz brothers. He's battling Henry Cejudo, his best guy, down at 135 and 125. Why there's all these fights? We're not making fights. Well, I mean, one thing ruins everything, right? Money. Okay, but is it the money on the side of the fighters, or is it Dana White now? And explain it to me, and explain it to the audience. He is incentivized to make as much money for the promotion as possible. So the way to do that is to sell a good product. But you know, we don't need to pay guys. 15, 20, 25 million dollars a fight. It's more money for us. If the consumers are just going to buy the brand, is he being incentivized to just tell high priced guys, you know what, buzz off? Well, it's not just him, right? I mean, there, there was a time when he just ran everything. And, that, and that's do my point. He, he doesn't run it. Right. He does, but he doesn't. And so, okay. for those that don't know, it is now a publicly traded company. So, you answer to stockholders. You also answer to the people that bought you, which is Endeavor. You're also answering to ESPN, which owns the pay-per-views at this point. I mean, he came out last week and was like, I don't like that they're raising the prices of pay-per-views. And people are like, screw you for raising it. He's like, I'm not in charge of that. So there are elements okay, so of the do, business. Do we, need, do we need to point out a new enemy, our, you know, our name? You know, we're partnered with ESPN on ESPN Radio. Like, is ESPN, are there people there who are like, now nah, don't pay John Jones and Francis Ngannou a combined 25 mil to fight? Probably higher than that, but. Well, I think, I think that there is. I don't think anybody has any under any real clarity, except for obviously, you know, the people that need to know of exactly how that all breaks down. Now, ESPN does; they are in charge of the pay per view product, mm-hmm. so like they are basically controlling a lot of that in terms of cost, the distribution, and all of those things. And I imagine have some say into who's who's fighting and all those uh, sorts of things. Uh, Endeavor obviously has some sort of some sort of you know. The, uh, influence and control over how everything else plays out. Um, there also is a shareholder thing. So I know, like, I, I did. I sat in Dana's office a couple weeks ago and did an interview with him. And you know, one of the things he said was that he can't just say anything anymore. 
And that's, that is because it's a publicly traded company, right? So before he would do things like, I would be sitting in his office and he would say, you're not going to believe this deal that we just did. Oh my God. And he's like, I can't tell you what it is, but wow, three weeks, we're going to announce it. It's crazy. Literally, legally not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. And so like, that's just one little part of this. Now, obviously this other, you know, this other element is massive. Like the friends in Ghana saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to flex my muscle here. I'm going to say, I'm not going to fight. I'll go be free agent, do what I want to do. Like those things have happened before, as Justin said earlier, Randy Couture tried to go this route, but more and more guys are doing this and more and more guys are seeing how much money's out there. They're saying, hey, wait a minute. Like I'm making this and yeah, it's good, but that guy's. Well, come on. This one, this, this one's laughable though. If he, if whoever, whoever would promote it, right? If they did a Tyson Fury and Ganu fight with boxing, which is terrible for Ganu, but if they want to do it and he can get say $25 million for the right. fight, he can't, how much? Again, they don't reveal discretionary income on the books in California. Francis and Ganu, six hundred thousand. Six hundred thousand dollars. I believe. What do you think he wound up with? Seven Three, million. Seven million, probably. Okay. So right. like, I, I think they're doing okay. Okay. They're doing good, really good. Right. Really good. Better than they have ever done before. By the way, am I shooting low with twenty-five million for a Fury fight? Yeah, I think it'd be more. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be, be fifty million. Yeah. It could be forty million. I mean, it seems like every time they talk about Joshua Fury and and uh, what uh, Wilder. That the numbers are way beyond that. So, I mean, that that makes it a tough decision, even if you're going to go in and get freaking starts. Yeah, but I, I think the, the bottom line of this is I, like everyone else, that not everyone, I, like most people that follow the sport or pay attention to the sport or cover the sport, want to see the fighters make a lot more money. That is the bottom line of this. The next level of this is, yeah, it, it's always been fighters versus UFC fighters against Dana. That's always been a thing. But now it's who who are they fighting? <laughs> They're going against ESPN. Okay, do you guys Endeavor. have access? Do you, is there a point person with ESPN you guys get to talk to? No. Why not? Because because they can. No, it's UFC. And UFC no, it's so they can all play the. No, it's ESPN. Game. Nah. And, that, and that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Is that good, there's good setup? Right. There's nobody that you that is like. Everybody can just say no. That guy. Hey, I like that guy. Everybody can do that now because it, it's not just mm-hmm. fighters against UFC or fighters against Dana anymore. It's all these different entities now. Number four. Oh, boy. L.A. Super Bowl. I like L.A. Obviously, it's a gigantic city, so there's all different areas there, right? Some good, some bad. Inglewood. <laughs> okay. I was up to no good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was around SoFi. It's a, definitely an interesting area. Uh, you know, personally, I appreciate the 7-Eleven and the old school liquor store right across the street. That's not usually what you see around NFL stadiums and around a Super Bowl. There's a casino there. Um, one, I think your ilk. The writers are going to go there and piss and moan about what's around the stadium. Well, hold on. Although, yeah. hold on. The, nothing is happening at the stadium. Except for the game. It's, yeah, and Super Bowl. There's no events at the stadium. That, that's usually. Or around the stadium. That's usually how Super Bowls go. Yeah. I mean, nothing happens at the stadium. I mean, when uh, what the I covered that Super Bowl at um, in at MetLife. Uh, everything was at, like, media day. Like, all the media so, stuff so, was in New York. So I, yes. Media day yes. was at... Uh, yeah, all the radio row, everything was in New York. Media yeah. Day was at um, the arena in Newark. Like, nothing was at the stadium until the actual game. Right. So, I mean, everybody's going to go there on Sunday. But the rest of the week, everybody's like, I'm staying downtown. And I think that's where the majority of the media people are staying. So, I assume most things will be, like, at Staples and L.A. Live. TMZ says Super Bowl has a uh, homeless cleanup going on down near the stadium. 
and I, I imagine when they do that, it'll be they're clearing the path. Like all the all the shuttles and buses and limos and Ubers and taxis what and you all see? that will all be taking the same path from downtown or from Hollywood. Yeah, they have pictures the they took on Monday morning near the 405, a couple miles from SoFi, and uh, CHP officers on hand to clear out the homeless encampments. <laughs> I'll say this. I was just there a couple weeks ago visiting some friends down there. There's, there's a lot. Yeah. We drove from the airport to the stadium just to check it out. Um, there's a, there is... It, and... People have different opinions, right? Like, a couple people I was with are like, oh, this looks terrible. What is going on here? And I was like, hey, this is a place where people can live. I like this. Like, I don't – I think everybody has different views of how that goes. But surely the NFL doesn't want that. I, I, I understand it, I suppose. And, by the way, this is I, – I can't say for sure the NFL told them. But I'm guessing they did. And this is what the NFL does. Like, have fun, you've been, you've been warning us already that – there's going to be some stuff that the NFL asks of Vegas that's going to be a little bit the different than con- we're used to. The contracts that you sign to agree to host the Super Bowl are nuts. They are nuts. And if you don't think that's the case or don't get it, you can find I, – I know the Minnesota one uh, is up online. You can go find it of, like, what all everything the league asked of Minneapolis to host the Super Bowl is nuts. And it's not going to be any different here. It's not going to be different in LA. It's, it's just – Number three. All right, so give me your take on the persecution complex of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, man. So, like I said, I listened to the full hour yesterday, the entire thing, with McAfee on his weekly appearance. And Rodgers is all over the place. He really is. Because there there are some things he said. Like, there are some aspects of NFL COVID protocols that I thought were silly. And he said yesterday... Some of the same ones that I thought were silly, he pointed out and said, I like, I don't get this. I'm with him. And I think he very easily could have focused on those things from the beginning of this and made his points and gotten a lot more people on his side to agree with what he was saying. Now, his issue is he goes into these other things. He starts citing things that are demonstrably false. You know, hey, we aren't allowed to use this medication. It has saved lives in India. India banned it because it wasn't saving lives and actually was doing damage. Like, there are things that are demonstrably false that he's saying. If he stuck with the things that he had a good point on, I think he could have really rallied a lot of support and a lot of things. But then he goes into, oh, the election was fake. And you're like, okay, now what are we doing? But then he also, like, it's not like he's going on that side because people from that side that would agree with him are now coming like, hey, come do my show. And he's like, no, I don't, no, I don't agree with you. So like, he doesn't, he doesn't fit a box, which I think is very, it's, that's very admirable. Like you, you have all these different opinions, all these different places, but then, you know, the, some of the stuff that he says, you just, you just look at him and you're like, yeah, you're not, you don't, you don't know. And you're trying to come off like you do know. The I mean, whole thing is weird. He said he, you know, he was proud of how he did in a year of adversity. He brought on a lot of the adversity himself by being misleading about his vaccination status to start. If he had just come clean at the beginning of the year, I guess there'd be some people against him. But I don't know. Do you think a lot of people were rooting against Josh Allen based on his vax status, which was kind of up, you know, in the air? He didn't say he was vaxxed. He yeah. didn't say he was inoculated, right? Yeah. Were people rooting against Josh Allen in the playoffs? For the most part, I mean, you were. 
Chiefs fans were, but I don't. I think most of the country was kind of like, "Go, Josh." So the that so the back stuff yeah. didn't. I don't think it really affected his popularity at all. The way no. it's the way Rodgers handled it at different times during the season. It is, so a lot of this adversity. And he said that you're, you're the one who kind of set yourself up. And he said that himself, and he said right. he took he took a huge risk because he said that he did not want to address it until it was done, and and it, that's true. There was an appeal going on with the NFL. That he said he should be considered vaccinated because right. of everything that he did. Right. His and he his said alternate. his hope was to not address it until after. And then he got COVID. And then he could, and then he had to talk about it because it came out and it came out that way. And he said that was a calculated risk that I failed. I lost that. Because that was my hope that I would get through it as le- at least long enough so I didn't have to talk about it. But then I got COVID and I had to talk about it. So he, he gets that. Like I said, I, I was t- telling you earlier, like there are things that he said yesterday. He said... I think we're going to look back at this and say, hey, a lot of mistakes were made in society and in the NFL, and we went way overboard. We did a lot of crazy things. We shouldn't have done it. And he said, but at the same time, I'm sure I will look back at this and say, man, I was really wrong about that. And I was really wrong about that. And he said, hindsight will teach us a lot about this whole era. And I think that's fair, too. Number two. Rodgers has a decision. Brady's got a decision. I don't think Rodgers is going to walk. I'm starting to think Brady might walk. Uh, He was on his Let's Go podcast. I don't like I don't like the sound of this. Not that I'm a like a Tom Brady lover, but uh, I, don't, I don't like people being forced to do what maybe they don't want to do. Here's Tom Brady. Biggest difference now that I'm older is I have kids now too, you know, and I care about them a lot as well. And uh, you know, they've been my biggest supporters. My wife is my biggest supporter. You know, it pains her to see me get hit out there, and um, you know, she deserves what she needs from me as a husband. My kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. You know, I'm going to spend some time with them and giving them what they need because they've really been giving me what I need the last six months to do what I love to do. Mm. Didn't he have a, he has a kid with Moynihan, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, is this like a new thing for him? Like what's going on here? He cares about his kids that he has with Giselle. Well, it might be that the kids are getting older. He's like, well, we are, kid, we are just, this is not the kids the, I care about are <laughs> this crew is not the crew to be, <laughs> to be dealing with here. Give me some more Brady. You know, I said this a few years ago. It's you know, it's a it's what relationships are all about. It's not always what I want. It's what we want as a family. And uh, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and figure out in the future what's what's next. Adam rolling his eyes. It's, it's, what, it's what's best for the family. Who cares? Well, he, I'll, I'll tell you. This is what I'm having. Pro- I'm having trouble processing. So his one boy is going to high school, right? And I've heard people like, oh, you know, he wants to be around for his kid in high school. And I don't have kids, so the only thing I know about high school, right? High school age kids right now is Ozark, where I hate the kid on that show, and Euphoria, where I'm afraid of all the kids. Oh, a is, that re- is this real life, Euphoria? <laughs> These kids are crazy! If I'm 44 and I'm Tom Brown, I don't want to be around! I mean, I guess you should look at it the opposite way. Like, you got to protect them, and you got to be around all the time. But as he said, he just he's like, for the last six months, they've been there for me. Now I'll be there for them. Yeah, give them a couple months. Go back to exactly, work. Exactly, and go back to work. Like the, the rest of us don't get to retire to like 65. Kids have to deal with it. My, well, my parents worked. We got we were fine. But here's the other thing. I guarantee he's not retiring. Even if he leaves he's, football. He's going to go gonna, right back to work and a bunch course, of other things. Of course he is. This, this is such he started his nonsense. clothing line. It's nonsense. Are you watching Euphoria? No, I watched a couple of clips for some reason yesterday. Did you watch season one? No. You didn't? Um, no. Oh, I thought you were into the show. No. It's so crazy. It's so scary. Well, you watched- kids, man. I, if you're listening right now, I'd... Don't don't take anything I say real seriously. I don't want to get freaking shot or blown up or 
give me drugs. You guys are crazy. I mean, I saw an it's interview. I saw an interview with one of the actresses on the show, and then there was attached to the interview there were some clips from the show, and I watched it and I was like, all right, that's, that's pretty interesting. There is an 11 year old on the show. I think he's 11. Like maybe the most vicious character I've seen on TV in years. I kind of like that. Ashtray. That, okay, so I keep hearing people references. Yeah, everyone loves person, Ashtray. And I don't know what it's, it's just, from. I'm, anytime I see Ashtray in a scene, I'm like, someone's getting messed up. What is on on HBO? It is on HBO. You need to watch it. I got, I'm still behind on Wretched Gems. This, this Pro Bowl is for me. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm going to throw it out again, though. Uh, between Righteous Gemstones and Euphoria, there is a lot of full frontal male nudity. I'm not sure what is. They're trying to play catch up or something. I don't know what's happening here. Like, <laughs> payback. Something's happening. Yeah, but uh, so I'll just say in general, the kids scare me based on TV depictions. I don't think they're all like that. Well, the Righteous Gemstone kids, I mean, they're adults well, the, now, the, but they're the all worst. terrible. They're the worst. I hate all of them. Oh, you got to keep watching. Poor Eli. Boy. Poor Eli. John Goodman. Poor, oh, it's unbelievable. By the way, I also, watching the first episode of Righteous Gemstones, it's the only one I watched so far, I was certain John Goodman was dead. Like We lost, oh, so, many, we yeah. lost so many celebrities. I was like, I thought he died. He's lost so much weight. I know. He looks... Well, he was, really. a, he was a bruiser back in the back in high school. He was roughing people up. So you did watch episode <laughs> I watched one? watched episode one, yeah. Okay. Every, uh, I, everyone listening right now knows I'm kidding, right? I know they're not all kids are freaking lunatics like they are. Uh, they think they mostly shows. are. No, I, don't, I, I hope think not. they mostly are. Number one. I got ripped on last week for watching too much TV. Candy was like, what's going on? You got to carve out that, that little bit of time to chill. A little bit. Otherwise, I would obsess every day about Todd Bowles. It would drive me crazy. So, you know, I asked Caleb Herring earlier in the uh, in the show about the Raiders right now lining up uh, defensive candidates. You know, guys who are on the defensive side of the ball, like D'Amico Ryans and Todd Bowles and Gerard Mayo and Richie B's in the mix. Did they talk to Bradley? Did Bradley get an official? No. So they've only – tomorrow they're going to talk to Todd Bowles, so that'll make it four. Is that right? Official interviews? Yeah. I believe that's four, yeah. They've done a lot more GM than coach, which makes right. sense if you want to find a GM first. So they're going defensive. 100%. So far. Hopefully that changes. What do you think's happening here? Just that happens to be the order? Yeah, I think it's... I, I mean, because I, I mean, obviously, I think Jim Harbaugh's still hanging over the whole thing. Right. Um. Well, and, and to be fair, I mean, there was... The closest it seems they have gotten, if, if you read the tea leaves and talk to you know people that are talking which not many people are talking around this situation the closest they've got so far is with an offensive coach i mean mcdaniels was the top guy yeah so vic tafer from the athletics say he's no longer the top candidate is that on mcdaniel's side or the raiders side well i think it's more of a ziegler like it seemed to be his guy okay and if he's not if he's not getting the job which he still could but if he's not a slam dunk so you're the way you're describing this this is in reverse I think they're going that GM. they're talking to head coaches and they're they're going to have a GM tied to the person. No, in certain cases. No, no, no. no I'm saying what I'm saying is. Oh, I thought you were like, saying like, it they're, seemed they're, like they were close to Ziegler. Clo- oh, I thought they were close on McDaniel. No, Ziegler's no, no. coming with it. It seemed like they were close on Ziegler, which would have meant McDaniel's. But now it doesn't seem like he's a slam dunk anymore. So now it's kind of more open again. All right. Well, let's keep going through some of these uh, GM con um, GM interviews. We'll talk about the guy from Tampa in a couple minutes with the person who covers the Buccaneers. So still wide open, we think, right now with the Raiders for head coach and GM. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000.
This traffic report is brought to you by the Monday Night Pigskin Party at the South Point. And the fact that that staff kept everything together and kept us competitive and kept us winning, finding ways to win football games, I think that's what our organization is about, right? Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we know what we want to have happen. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Derek Carr on the way back. I like what's going on with the Raiders right now. Very secretive, not a lot of leaks. Seems like they're being thorough. Uh, by the way, the one leak we did get, Derek Carr doing a, a recent TV interview, got the haircut a little bit. So big news, big news in Las Vegas. Got yeah, he, the, he got the sides cut down. He teased it on his uh, Instagram story. Okay. He, he had some clippers out. And then your your guy, A.J. Cole, was talking about something about Carr growing it back out. So maybe they will go with like a super faux hawk. Like just shave the sides all the time and just have Any, this like he'll be 6'5". Especially in the offseason. Anything can happen. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Go Big Ben. You know, put on 70 pounds in the offseason. Grow. No, don't do that. Have the big beard. No. Don't go full Big Ben. Uh, if you uh, like bearded men and you like NFL and you like mm-hmm. VGK... You can go hang out with Ari and the ladies of Twin Peaks. I mean, go for the ladies, not the bearded guy in uh, in Ari. Two to four on Saturday, two to four on Saturday, leading into the Golden Knights game. But, you know, the big deal is on Sunday. They watch out at Twin Peaks in Henderson for both the AFC and NFC championship games. They've got great drink specials, food specials. Ari on Saturday will have tickets to uh, go see some shows at the House of Blues. Gift cards to Top Golf and lots of other prizes. And don't forget, at Twin Peaks, they have the ladies. They also have great soup. And you know I'm a, a soupaholic. I've had the brisket chili there. Damn good. And it is National Soup Month, so they're rolling out the freaking soups right now. Brisket chili, green, uh, green chili chicken soup, and tomato basil. How about that? I would say, I mean, yeah, I've had it. It's delicious. My only question is, is, is chili soup? We don't have time for this debate. I, don't know I believe it is. I think it's. I think it's been classified as soup. I don't think we're turning back okay. on this one. All right. And when they throw the brisket in, it just takes it to another level. And I, feel, I mean, I feel like the Twin Peaks chili is not soup because it's like it's so hearty and delicious. It was quite the testimonial yeah. for it. Yes, I don't believe you've had it, but I'm telling you, I have. I have, and it was very good. I have. Had Ari's going to be there on Saturday, getting you ready for NFL football on Sunday, VGK hockey on Saturday. It's Twin Peaks and Henderson starting at two o'clock this Saturday with Ari from Cofield and Company. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I said this a few years ago. It's you know, it's a it's what relationships are all about. It's not always what I want. It's what we want as a family. And uh, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and figure out in the future what's what's next. Tampa Bay going to be singing in like a month when Brady walks because the kids and Giselle? Yeah, it might be a different song. <laughs> like End of the Road or Time of Our Life or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, let's get into the box because there's a bunch of stories here, including another GM candidate that the Raiders are interested in is working with the Bucks. So we'll get to that. Carmen Vitali is with Buccaneers.com. And th- there's a lot of drama to cover with this organization. <laughs> Hi guys. Yeah. Hey, how are you? We kind of like it. There's a hey, lot of drama with the Raiders. 
So we kind of we kind of like talking about the Buccaneers. So uh, what what do you think when you heard uh, Brady talking about the family, the kids, and you know maybe it's time after they've given him so much that he's really got to think about them. I mean, I didn't really put a lot of necessarily credence in it because I think that there was all of that circulating last year as well. It was like, okay, well, the Bucks won the Super Bowl. He proved he could do it without Belichick. Uh, he took an organization, you know, in the first year to the championship. So, like, what else is left to prove? Maybe he'll walk away. And then he didn't. So, I don't know. I just I, I don't pretend to at all be inside Tom Brady's head um, because I don't think that anybody really is, quite frankly. Yeah, it's going to be obviously a long process here and a, a lot of decisions to be made. But, if like, as as the game ended this weekend and as it was kind of over, did you have a gut feeling of, was that the end of this era or how did you kind of just feel? Um, well, it was really just shocking and in, in just the most abrupt thing I've ever experienced because I think when the Bucks tied it up, the general sentiment was like, okay, then they're going to win this. Like you didn't just come all the way back. You didn't yeah. come this far to come this far. And, and they did. And then you get the, you know, the zero blitz and then the, past the cup and then the chip shot to Matt Gay, uh, who was a former Bucks traffic. <laughs> so I was like, wow, this is really just coming full circle. So I honestly, in that moment, wasn't necessarily thinking about Tom Brady. I was thinking, oh God, wow, like this is going to be an instant classic of a game, but the Bucks are on the wrong side of it. <laughs> Not exactly the best feeling, um, but no, I, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of trying to figure that out even beforehand was like, if we if the Bucks won the Super Bowl again, does that make it more or less, less likely that Tom retired? And I didn't really have an answer, and nobody I talked to really did either. Yeah, and it's he's obviously not the only one. There's some other you know guys that are out there. Gronk being another one who uh, just said, you know, he if he had to decide today, he would retire, but it could change in three weeks. We know that his mind can change every hour. Uh, how much do you think <laughs> Brady's decision and Gronk's decision are tied together? I have to think that they are completely um, just because, I mean, Rob Gronkowski retired rather than going to another team and playing with another quarterback um, initially when he was going to be traded yeah. to the Lions. So he, I don't see him ever wanting, and, and for good reason. I mean, he spent his entire career with Tom. They have this connection that is just incredible, and I don't know why you're going to start all over with that, especially when you've kind of been, I mean, he's been on one-year deals um, or one-year deals since, you know, he's been here, so... I think that he's, it's pretty, they're a package deal at this point, And I think that's kind of understood. So I think a lot of the people, a lot of the people that are questioning this are saying, okay, does Brady retire or does he come back to the bucks in, in your mind, being around him a little bit the last couple of years, is there any chance that the decision is, does he retire or go to another team? I don't think so. I just, cause I just don't know what would necessarily be accomplished by that. But then again, again, I don't really know what it is he's after anymore. I mean, this is a guy that's the king of having a chip on his shoulder um, for everything. And but I just, I mean, it 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 was really hard, and it, it was kind of in, insane to see the transition last year because he really didn't know the offense for half the season and was literally playing Madden like himself, <laughs> so in real time, and like that's kind of like what I liken it to. And I think now, you know, you can see his influence on this offense. Um, and the Bucks did, at the end of the day, finish with a franchise record number of wins this season. So he's kind of, like, ingratiated himself, and I feel like finally gotten to a point where he wants to be. 
um, as far and, and kind of melded into the offense and, and brought his ideas and concepts and married those with Rosarians. Um, and so I just don't see him wanting to start that process all over again because it's not a easy process and it's not a short process either. Either. Yeah. Follow on Twitter at Carmi V C A R M I E Carmi Vitali from uh, Buccaneers dot com. Uh, so we talk about Brady, we talk about Gronk. The, there's a lot of decisions that are hard to be made there. If they were to leave, I guess does the does the team have a plan for what's next? Is it full rebuilding mode? Where do they go if those guys do walk away? Well, I mean, I think it's contingent on not just them necessarily, but I mean, the Bucks also have a ton of free agents. Uh, coming up this off season and like very integral parts of both sides of the ball. So yes, obviously the quarterback in any organization is going to be the biggest piece, um, but you could potentially lose some key guys on defense too. And I think that that kind of dictates whether or not it's going to be any type of rebuild, but I do think that there's enough talent on this roster. They put kind of an emphasis on retaining some guys like Shaq Barrett, like Vita Vea, like defensive cornerstones. Um, we'll see what happens with Chris Godwin. You know, he's coming off now the ACL surgery, and he's going to be a free agent played on the tag this year. Um, I think if you – and you've still got guys like Mike Evans. You've still got talent on both sides of the ball. So I don't think you'd want to waste that. But um, we talked to Bruce Arians right after the game ended, and they did. he did say, you know, he really likes how Kyle Trask has been developing. Um, he said that it's very possible that the Bucks' next quarterback is already in the building. But um, I think that him being a quarterback guy, that all options would be explored. Well, it also sounds like, yeah, it also sounds like he wants to come back. Bruce Arian said he's going to do it as long as he can. Do you think that changes right. if a lot of these guys leave? Yeah, and I, I think again, you kind of want to keep things as like continuity was just the biggest thing coming into this season after the Super Bowl was like they don't want to break this team up because it, you know it started working so well towards the end of last season. And they did that. They brought all 22 starters back. Um, but, you know, Bruce came back, too, and it was, it was, again, just kind of making, like, build, continuing to build on what they had already built. Um, and so I think that if he stays, that, and it, like he said, he's going to, Bruce did, um, I think that that goes a long way for continuity, no matter if some of the personnel changes or not. So... And we, I mean, we have so many different question marks here coming into the season. So I think a lot of it is related to other things and a lot of it is contingent on what other decisions are made. But you've got Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator, interviewing for head coaching jobs. You've got Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator, interviewing for jobs. Like, it seems like Byron Leftwich is very close to getting a job. Should he be taking a job if Arians could potentially leave? Wouldn't it be a better situation to stay? Well, I'm not quite sure that... I don't know necessarily the contingency plans that were kind of in place, but the general feel, I think, around Tampa was that if Bruce did step away, it would be Todd Bowles that would take over and that they kind of wanted his successor in there already. Um, and I think that, you know, Byron has obviously earned himself a chance to prove himself wherever. Uh, and I know that there's contingency plans for if one of the coordinators leaves, if one of them doesn't, um, you know, both of them do, there's contingency plans there has been coaching in this league for a very, very long time. So he has all the connections in the world. And, I mean, he's got – you talk about building a roster of players. He has a roster of coaches that he can call upon, I think, at any given moment. Um, and he, I know that he, you know, he wants to develop his coaches. That's a big thing that he emphasizes. So seeing coaches get other opportunities is something that he likes to see, uh, even if it leaves him scrambling a little bit more. 
Yeah, and Todd Bowles uh, also in the mix potentially for uh, the job out here with the Raiders, as is uh, John Spytek from the front office. Uh, how much do we know about him? How influential has he been in the front office? And uh, I guess what can he bring to Las Vegas? Yeah, he is honestly just, I feel like he's gone so under the radar. Um, everybody talks about the job that Jason Light was able to do, again, bringing all those starters back and just the creative ways that these guys have figured out the contract situation um, with a lot of free agents, a lot of veteran talent mixed with some really good things that they've done in the draft. But John Spitek has been right there with with, with Jason Light this, this entire time, and he, um, he's got a really great resume. He's been with uh, Jason Light for quite a while. Initially, actually, he was he went to Michigan. He was a linebacker at Michigan. He was on a team with Tom Brady um, huh. in a really weird, like, full circle moment. But he's a wonderful human, and he's just one of those guys that does everything right. Um, and he does everything just, you know, I, he's, I can't say enough about him, quite honestly. And I think that nobody really knows him. Um, but I think through the, the cycle of him interviewing, you know, last year with the Denver Broncos, um, this year he interviewed for the Vikings and now for the Raiders. I think now that you're going to see his name out there a little bit more, you're going to start to learn more about him. And honestly, the more you learn about him, the more you're going to like him. So should we start the Spy Tech and Brady to Las Vegas rumors today? <laughs> oh, so that's why you guys were asking. Is you guys want to know if Tom's going to come out there now. <laughs> no, no. I think there was already a flirtation with Vegas and the Raiders with, with Tom Brady. In fact, uh, that was one of the big rumors that uh, Brady was talking about uh, with his famous curse um, on uh, on the shop. I don't think it was. I still think it was the 49ers. But still, yeah, there was a flirtation for a while. I just don't think it's the case now. I, I just, you know, it's when these candidates come up, uh, a lot of people are just, wait, who's that guy? What does he do? Because if you're not a GM, right. people don't know about you. But these guys have big roles in these teams. And uh, not only would they be, right. you know, good a good hire, it sounds like everything I've heard about Spytech would be a good hire, but it also does take a chunk out of the team they leave. And it would be a big loss for Tampa Bay to lose him. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not happy about it. I want to see him get a really good opportunity because I personally just know him to be such a great guy. And I, he's deserving of a, a GM opportunity. Um, but by no means do the Bucks want to see him leave. Um, Jason Light doesn't want to see him leave. Mike Greenberg, our contract guy, doesn't want to see him leave. Um, you know, just top to bottom, no one wants to see him leave. But at the same time, it's, you know, one of those bittersweet things where this is the goal. You know, you're in this industry, you're in this business. The goal is GM. And if he can get there, when he gets there, I should say, everyone will be very happy for him. So a lot of great stuff that we learned from you, but let's just sum it down to one Quick answer, when the opening day kicks off next year in the NFL, Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, are they on the sideline with the Bucs? Mm, I think so. Okay. All right. Good. We'll hold you to that. No, we won't. It's, you, don't, you don't have to put any money I, I down. Even in cases, I, 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 guess. I will say I'm way more confident in Bruce than I am in, in, in Tom. But okay. I think Interesting. So. There you go. Well, make sure you follow her. All the great stuff at Carmi V C A R M I E V Carmen Vitali. We really, really appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a great one. Good to hear from her. Make sure you follow her up on Twitter. All the latest news on the Bucks and all the goings on out there with Tampa Bay and around the league. Uh, and we found out today she's on Cameo. So go <laughs> hit her up there as well. That'd be uh, a great great thing to do as well carmen vitale from buccaneers.com we'll be back close things up on cofield and company after this join the conversation on twitter at cofield and co cofield and company presents grab bag don't touch it 
Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Take your hand in there, Dave. Wrapping things up on Cofield and Company. Make sure uh, you listen to the Coach Kruger radio show coming up right after this. Hear a lot of great insight on UNLV basketball. Coach Linda The Rock from the women's team joined us earlier today. Make sure you go check out their game tomorrow. It's Student Appreciation Day in a battle for first place in the Mountain West. Uh, so make sure you get out there to Cox Pavilion tomorrow night. If you didn't hear that interview, you can listen back on the podcast later tonight. Lindy The Rock putting together something very special over there uh, on campus with the UNLV Lady Rebels. And I'll work this in. The Michigan just held on, barely escaped against Northwestern. So... Good for them. I'll watch that game later. Check it out. But it sounds like a pretty good wild finish for the Wolverines against the Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, a couple things to wrap things up here on the show that we didn't get to earlier on. For those that don't know, FIFA is trying to go to a World Cup every two years. They've really been pushing this. They had a lot of financial issues. They're trying to generate revenue. And they think if they can go with the men's and women's tournaments every two years... It would be very beneficial to them. A lot of governments have fought back. They don't want it to happen. And yeah, it's very tied in and intertwined with government, uh, especially over in Europe. And there's been a lot of fighting back on, hey, this plan is ridiculous. There's a lot of other things going on with our soccer teams, with our nations. Like, we don't need to do this every two years. This is silly. So they've tried a new approach. And if you have not heard about this, it is gonna. it could get really ugly because they are really throwing Hail Marys now. There was a couple of very high-profile incidents with um, migrants who were trying to get out of their countries, especially Northern Africa, who were trying to get into Europe. Uh, some really, really tragic events uh, with people kind of stranded out in the water, a lot of lives lost. It's been happening for a long time, but some big high-profile incidents have happened recently. And FIFA is now using this as a way to try to push their agenda to get more World Cups played. It's really it's really disgusting, uh, but it's, it's also going to get nasty here. Uh, they said in a quote, in a, in a um, pre- presentation they were doing on expanding the World Cup pool to every two years, we need to find ways to include the entire world to give hope to Africans so they don't need to cross the Mediterranean in order to find maybe a better life, but more probably death in the sea. Like, bro. What are you doing? That is insane. And it was met with ridicule and derision as it should be. Uh, but a story to watch, certainly, as they continue to try to push this. And uh, prob- it seems like no shame in, in their push for adding a two extra or you know an extra World Cup every cycle, make it every two years instead of every four. Uh, that is crazy. Get back in there. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right. I know why we had to wait for this one, because Steve was not going to talk about it. The Hall of Fame has inducted exactly one member in baseball, David Ortiz. He's a fine guy. He's fine. And he was celebrated, and so a lot of Red Sox fans love what he did for them. Uh, obviously, a you know great playoff hitter, a lot of memorable moments. Good for him. This is the official end of the Hall of Fame. This is it. They are done. We've talked about this time and time again. If you're going to pick from that era, if you're going to make sure that you know you get 
guys in that you think deserve to be in, but guys that aren't supposed to be in, you keep out because you think they cheated. And you're going to be the the arbiters of who did and who didn't. And say Barry Bonds is out because we don't like that we think he might have cheated. And listen, probably did. Probably did. But we're going to keep him out because we don't like him. But David Ortiz, who was caught cheating, is not going to be kept out. He's in. That's it. It's over. It's officially done. There's no more reason to pay attention to what they're doing. And it's a museum, and you can you know, make arguments about, you know, the sanctity of the game and all those other things. But really, it's a museum that people want to go and visit and explore the history of the game. And I get it on some level of keeping guys out for a while, not putting them in the first ballot. Whatever you want to do, I I guess that's fine. But if you have a Hall of Fame that Barry Bonds is in, or excuse me, is not in, and David Ortiz is, it's no longer a Hall of Fame. I saw somebody call it the Hall of People We Like. I mean, that's pretty much what you're doing now. And feel how you want to about Barry Bonds and feel how you want to about David Ortiz, and that's all great. But David Ortiz was caught, and he's in, and Barry Bonds is not. And you can make the same argument for Roger Clemens, but he's, you know, different to me. And, you know, a lot of these guys are different. A-Rod is different to me. Barry Bonds is not. Barry Bonds was in no matter what. And Barry Bonds, yeah, put up inflated numbers that were disgusting and all those other things. But come on. That is a preposterous preposterous decision uh, by the voters of baseball and they've ruined it it's over they have officially shut down the institution that they vote on so good for them way to go uh, we don't care about the whole thing we don't like it on this show so i guess we don't have to talk about it ever again that'll do it for us and that'll do it for us today coach kruger radio show coming up we're gonna down to orleans you can check that out listen to it right here steve cofield will be there coach kruger the whole crew thanks to lindy the rock for joining us thanks to Carmen Vitali from Buccaneers.com. Great stuff on Tom Brady and his future and John Spitek and potentially in future with the Raiders. Justin Watkins, Caleb Herring. For everyone that joined us today, we thank you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. That'll do it for us from Cofield and Company. Check out the archive just a little bit on the station.